It's the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Sean Del Grand. And we've got over 800 brand new Mazdas with outstanding incentives, like low monthly lease payments and low APR financing. Yep, it's just a great time to buy. So don't miss the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Financing on approval of credit. Listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. And it's Burns again, creeps down the porch, gets it into Hurdle, and they score! Logan Couture, beautiful puck movement on the power play, makes it 2 nothing. This game was a winnable game for us. We scored four on the road. Um, we won the special teams, and that should be a recipe for at least a point. And, um, you know, I can think of three off the top of my head goals that uh, they came off our sticks. Just, uh, you know, high percentage, really not smart hockey plays. And, uh, um, you know, they go down, they score, and that's the difference, I think. You know, St. Louis is a good team. You can't, you can't, uh, um, you know, you can't give them anything and uh, let alone, uh, um, you know, just bad decisions and bad uh, um you know, hockey sense plays. Good morning, everyone. Yeah, that's a frustrated Bob Bugner after last night's loss, and he's right. Uh, that was that was a tough one. And you know what I had myself thinking after this most recent loss was if the Sharks end up missing the playoffs by one game, if it would have been two more points that would have been the difference, we will all be thinking about this loss to St. Louis because he's right. If you score on two out of your three power play opportunities, if you kill all three of the penalties, if you score four on the road, if you take a 2-0 lead in the first period, you can't lose that game. I mean, God, this was a frustrating one. And the thing that's so frustrating about it is you're watching the Sharks' power play come alive. You're watching the Sharks create opportunities. You're watching them do a lot of good. You're watching them do things that you didn't see them do last year especially in terms of getting more and more members of the offense involved. You saw Logan Couture playing exactly like a captain is supposed to play. He went out there, he scored big goals, he looked like he was ready and finally back looking like the Logan Couture we expect of. And the team also, in light of all that, in light of all the good, they went out there and they shot themselves in the foot. These high-level plays that they're making, the good things that they're doing are being negated by some rather sloppy play. Bob Bugner sounded frustrated after the game. He sounded ticked off. And I and I don't, he's not wrong. You know, he's got this team doing a lot of things well. And he's also watching them do a lot of things poorly, like watching a goal get scored off a line change. Yeah, it's the same thing we've been harping on for, you know, the last week or so. And, and again, we went through it on video this morning. We went through it as a reminder before the game and, uh, you can't you can't have all three guys change at once. The left winger's got to hold there. Um, you know, so you know you can only do so much talking, and after a while, you're just going to change personnel and, and to the guys that want to do it right. So Bugner, in no uncertain terms, is letting it be known that he is going to make guys uh, earn their positions. He's not going to give anyone anything, and he's going to make changes that he deems necessary. 
Uh, there were some defensive miscues last night. We saw Carlson just get beat. He had a bad read. It was something that maybe earlier in his career he would have made up for with his speed, but just took a bad angle, and the Sharks got burned on it. That can't happen. Eric Carlson needs to know that he's got to play that a little bit safer, that he's got to find his positioning better, especially if he is not as fast on the other side of 30 as he used to be. But this whole game was just a slew of frustrations because you saw the Sharks doing so much right. Once again, the most important thing that I'm seeing, especially in light of what happened last year, is the Sharks are jumping out to early leads and they are taking control of games. That didn't happen a lot of times last year. They found themselves down early. They found themselves giving up a lot of first period goals. And now we have seen once again the Sharks jump out to an early lead and not be able to hold on to it. I, I tweeted about this, that one of the things we've seen the most in this new year is that the Sharks are getting off to hot starts. The other thing we're seeing is the Sharks, in light of these hot starts, are not being able to hold on to the lead. And that's obviously going to come back to bite them time and time again. A lead doesn't matter if you can't hold on to it. But there is a part of me that looks in this and says they're close. You know, you go into St. Louis and you push this St. Louis team, which is very, very good. Yes, we all know that the four goals and winning the special teams battle, like Bob alluded to, you should win that game. But the Sharks didn't win this game. However, we are seeing these abilities of what the team is capable of as some of the things they can do so right. You look at Devin Dubnik tonight. He looked really good in the first period. He also, very similar to what happened to Martin Jones, in game number two of this season, he was put in a bad situation time and time again. In game two, I did not think Jones was terrible. I didn't think he was perfect. Similar rating for Dubnik tonight. I didn't think he was amazing. I didn't think he was bad by any means. But I do know that for two games, and including Martin Jones in the first game of the year, the Sharks have put their goalies in bad situations. If you want to win, you need to combine good play from your goalie combined with not putting your goalie in a bad position. The Sharks have not been able to figure that out so far, and that, to me, is distressing. But again, you do temper this all with, okay, we're three games in, you are seeing good things. This team does not look inept. They do not look offensively impotent. They actually look pretty potent so far, especially the power play. That is what, you know, it, it makes it very difficult with these evaluations of where the team is right now because you see a lot of good and you see a lot of bad. And I think these sentiments were echoed after the game by Brent Burns, who had his first goal of the year. Well, I think we always we evaluate every day. I think, you know, obviously we haven't played hockey in a long time. Ten months is a long time to, to get hit, to be blocking shots, to reading plays that take a second uh you know, it's not an excuse. It's just a fact. I think, and and we're going to get a lot better. I think there's a lot of changes that we're making in our system, and and hockey's a game of reads and and re and reacting to plays that you can see developing, and and, and trying not to think so much. And I think when you have a, uh, changes, you're thinking all the time, trying not to make mistakes, trying to think of what we we're working on and what we're talking about, and and, and those things are going to get better. So I think. You know, obviously we have to get better at a lot of things. We, we know that, but we knew it's going to happen. So, um, you know, I think you, you go out there and you try to play the best game you can. And, you know, usually you're worried about more just getting in shape and, and being in good shape and playing well. Those are the same things, but th there's other things that you're you're trying to do. I mean, with my nine-year-old son and his team for six months. So just the size of goalies are different, you know, and, and everybody's in a different boat. Some guys didn't even get to skate 
for a long time. No excuse, just a fact. But yeah, I, I think there's a lot of things we can improve on. There's a lot of things we're trying to, to work on, to talk about. But to answer your question, I think in 15 minutes, I think we are evaluating all the time. So I, I don't know. I don't know if I answered that. I wanted to give you that entire cut where Brent Burns, you could hear him chewing on it and mulling on all the things that he's seen out there because, yeah, he's right. These aren't excuses. These are realities that everybody out there has had to deal with. And it is playing in as a factor in terms of how the Sharks are playing. You can see the rust. You can see the lack of overall crisp play. But you can also see the things that they are doing well particularly on the power play. That is the thing that so far through this season, a big part of these hot starts is we are seeing goals off the power play. We are seeing the Sharks putting themselves in a good position time and time and time again. Uh, scoring goals, I mean, that's nice. It's it's nice when the power play is going. I think it's a, it's a confidence thing. You know, I think I, I heard Cooch talking about it. You know, we feel dangerous. So, yeah, I, I think that's... That right there is a, a huge difference, is, is the mental aspect of it. We feel good with it. So it's like the PK last year. We felt we were going to kill every penalty, and, and we had a good PK. So it's uh, confidence goes a long way. You can't just make confidence up. It's got to happen, and, and, and it's been good. And so the Sharks, again, they are feeling confident on the power play. The offense is clicking, in my opinion, but – the thing that we've seen consistently, just like we have with the hot starts, is the Sharks unable to hold on to these leads. We've seen them blow leads in all three games. And you have these overarching themes of what we've seen through three games that we don't like. We like the leads. We don't like the blown leads. We like the power play. We don't like the defensive miscues. We like the good play from the goalies. We don't like when we put our goalies in a bad situation. So right now, there's a lot of good and a lot of bad to take in, but I think the fact that you are seeing contribution from multiple lines, you are seeing more and more guys start to get more comfortable with their games. I think that the overall talent level isn't going to be as big of an issue as maybe some perceived it as being. I think the main issue right now is this team just all getting on the same page, getting their hockey legs back underneath them, figuring out how they're going to make the right reads, figuring out how they're going to do the right things and figuring out how they're going to put themselves in the best position to win. Again, a game like we saw last night, you have got to win 10 times out of 10. And you could hear the frustration from Bugner. You could hear it from Brent Burns. You could also hear it from Logan Couture when he talked about the fact that the team gave up four goals in the second period. Gave uh, them too many chances, too many odd mans, uh, defensive zone breakdowns. You know, I thought we were, we were working, you know, some sloppy plays in our own end, a few turnovers uh, that needed to be fixed. But um, I liked your response on the third. I thought we came out with some energy. And when we're successful, I mean, we, we, we play below the goal line. Um, we use our points. We shoot the puck. We get it back. And we do that again. And we had a few shifts that were like that, just not enough. Just not enough. That was a problem that we saw last year with the Sharks. I, I hate to keep on harping back to last year because I know people would just as soon forget it, but I felt oftentimes when I watched the Sharks last year, I was watching a team that was just good enough to lose. They would fight their way back into games or they would have a nice battle only to lose at the end, only to fall apart at the end, only to not finish with the third period. I mean, there were games where the Sharks would fall behind early and there were games where the Sharks would fall apart late. And I think that this was one of those games where the Sharks, they didn't fall apart late. They did have a nice hot start in this game, but it was the second period, obviously, that did them in. 
but being just good enough to lose a leads to a sense of frustration within the team and B just for fans and everybody else. It's just, it's maddening. You watch this and you say, ah, they did so much right. And now they find themselves in a situation where they are staring at a game where they, they should have won. I mean, that's, that's our only takeaway. They should have won. As for the second period though, this is a distinct problem. They have been outscored seven, one through three games in the second period so far, seven, one. It is certainly not the only problem that we have seen with the Sharks, but if we are to isolate one main area of concern, it is the fact that the team is a, in a, in an extreme positive, very much focused on the hot start. They're getting out to these early leads. They've led in all three games early in the first period. But when the second period starts up, they're getting run over. And as much as Bob Bugner has on his plate in terms of schematics, in terms of his tactics, in terms of what he's trying to do, he's got to figure out what's going on with this team that they are falling asleep in the second period. Because you reward yourself with that early lead. Two up, 2-0 in the first period. They've done that in two of their three games so far. The team can't fall asleep on that in the second period. You can't give up. You have to keep on battling and battling and battling and battling. And yes, I know that it takes a while to get your fitness under you, especially with the condensed preseason and things not being normal. I understand these are factors, but also they all know that in a shortened season like this, every game matters that much more. Every game has a significant amount of weight on it because you're not getting the full season. This is about 68% of a regular 82-game season. So my takeaways from this game is that A, they played well enough to beat the Blues in the Blues house. I'll take that effort any day of the week. On the flip side, there were mistakes. There were miscues. There was sloppiness. There was all the things that we've seen in the first two games. So you have to start wondering when is this team going to figure this out? Because I think we all know they're capable of it. The thing that's frustrating is that you're seeing this good with this bad, and so far the bad has been more overwhelming than we've seen from the good. I try to often make comparisons to other sports, even though they are not apples-to-apples comparisons, but I do look at what happened to the Golden State Warriors at the start of this year. They're playing a lot better now than they were in the first couple of games. I think that's because they have good talent and they have a good head coach. I look at the Sharks and I see a lot of the same. Good talent, good coaching. It's going to take some time, but I do think they can figure it out. It just doesn't mean that it's not going to be exceptionally frustrating for the time being, because I think we all walk away from that game exceptionally frustrated. And I, Last night was the first time that I saw Bob Bugner as the Sharks' non-interim head coach, but the official head coach, he looked heated after the game in the press conference. He looked pissed off, and I, I like that. I'm not saying that, oh, I want, you know, my coach to be a martyr and no, I don't, it's not of that. I think that Bob knows how close this team is to taking that next step to being so consistent in their play. It's the second period that's dogging them. It's specific things, defensive miscues, mental mistakes, things of that nature, things that can be rectified. It's just going to take some time, right? It's just going to take a little bit of time for this team to figure it out. The idea is that they're not going to find themselves in too big of a hole before they do figure it out. Because I think that it's it's there. The power play is consistent so far. I know it's a small sample size, but that looks good. Overall, the offense is starting to gel more and more. I like this. I like the contribution. I like the effort we're seeing. It's just 
particularly, it's it's the defense. There are these miscues. It's the lack of sharpness. It's the lack of timing. That's a big issue right now. If they can figure this out, then I think things are going to start trending in the right direction in a real hurry. And I'm not even saying that they're trending in the wrong direction right now because the Blues are a very good team and you knew they were going to be ticked off coming off of an 8-0 loss to the Avalanche. So the Sharks have shown themselves, and I think they should take some confidence to know that when they walk into game number two of this series, they should say, hey, we screwed up that amount in the last game and we're still in it to the end. Let's correct those mistakes. Let's go out there, split these series, beat these guys, and prove to ourselves that we are capable of playing that clean game that produces a win. And now, a moment of chill from Coors Light. Light Mountain Cold Refreshment made to chill after the short but cold beer run from hot tub to cabin. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Welcome back to Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. All right, we now have joining us on Morning Tide one of the main broadcasters from the esports tournament, the Sharks Pacific Cup, presented by WD Black. It is Cam Halbert. Now, this tournament pit 110 teams against each other in 6v6 formatting in EA Sports NHL 21. They were competing for a pot of $25,000. That's the most prize money ever awarded for a 6v6 tournament in EA Sports NHL history. Cam, what's going on, man? Hey, I'm having a blast. Uh, you know, last night was uh, just a, a great final broadcast, and the whole tournament was incredible. It was an honor to uh, to call a tournament and broadcast a tournament, especially of this magnitude in the esports scene for NHL for uh, my Sharks, the diehard Sharks fan. And it was it was awesome. It was great to see the Sharks finally get involved in esports, and the way that they did was just blew the doors off everyone. The involvement from the organization, WD Black, uh, it was honestly incredible. And I didn't even stuff I didn't even expect as we had Brady. Holland joined us the broadcast. Dan Rosanowski helped out with it. It was unbelievable from, from, from the top to the bottom and uh, culminated yesterday in a, in a fantastic win. Congrats again to Composure as they took home $20,000. Um, but it was really fun uh, to see, you know, the Sharks jump into the esports landscape in the NHL uh, world. And uh, yeah, I was it was uh, honestly a blast for me to, to to be the host and 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 color analyst for that whole broadcast and tournament. So, uh, but no, I'm happy to, I'm happy to hear to talk Pacific Cup and Sharks Dead. It's uh, uh, something I'm really excited about. So uh, here we are. Now with the Pacific Cup, you know, coming about, I know the Sharks had been wanting to delve more into this, and the pandemic seemed to make it you know, the perfect timing for it. Mm -hmm. In your opinion, now that we've had more of this establishment of things like the Pacific Cup in and of itself and, and, and elsewhere, is this kind of like a big stepping stone for this really to start growing even more so? Because I think for a lot of people who are in that community, they know about it, but now it seems like a lot more people are at least at the very at the very least aware of it when it comes to nhl and nhl esports it's always um, been mostly 1v1 and that's what the gaming world championship is that's put on by the nhl um and they hadn't really done a 6v6 event um until last year last december the washington capitals kind of went above and beyond and they they decided hey we're gonna do um a big 6v6 event i believe the prize pool was fifteen thousand dollars it was the largest at the time for six for a 6v6 event and they had a land where um they were 
the, the final four went to Washington. Uh, this is pre pandemic, obviously. And um, it was a phenomenal event and it kind of gave, you know, the opportunity, the, the cost involved, obviously, when, when you look at esports, one V one is obviously much easier to facilitate mm-hmm. as opposed to six V six, because now you've got to split it six ways. And, and it, it goes even further when, you know, there's a, a land event. And if let's say the Pacific cup happened and, you know, they wanted to have the final two teams play, you know, in the, you know, in, in San Jose, then you've got to talk about flights, hotels, that kind of thing. Prize pool, you know, comes down quite a bit, but with the pandemic, you can't have that. Um, so now we've got a situation where we've got a lot of prize pool money and now we the time to to try and you know go really big on the 6v6 scene because at, at up to this point only really one of two teams the columbus blue jackets who were in a smaller event and, and the washington capitals had done one and then san jose comes out of nowhere and does the biggest prize pool yet for a sixes <laughs> event and, and really put themselves on the map and, and really set themselves up well um for for any future event that they want to run We've all heard these crazy numbers about how much money has been going into gaming during the pandemic. Do you think this trend is going to continue? Because in my opinion, it seems like now you've had the opportunity to grow this audience. I don't think people are suddenly going to turn away from this once the pandemic comes to an end. I think honestly, I think it's just based on traditional like evolution of traditional marketing. So mm-hmm. hockey is a sport that you you kind of need to get kids involved, especially when it comes to. I mean, I, again, I'm from I'm from Niagara Falls, Ontario. I grew up just south of Toronto. I don't really need any more exposure to hockey, as it's just, you know <laughs> what I mean. Like it is just it's kind of second nature as a Canadian and someone who lives in southern Ontario. Um, but for you know for younger guys out in San Jose and California, obviously the Sharks and the Kings and the Ducks um, have grown hockey exponentially over the last 20, 30 years. Right. But I think that gaming is a very, very easy way to to allocate a marketing budget to to help advertise for players that, you know, and kids that, you know, might not get a chance to actually play hockey, but they're Sharks fans and, and you know, they want to they want to you know get involved with the with their franchise. I think this is a, a very easy way for teams and organizations um, that, you know again, have, have, have to try and, you know, get the attention of, of a younger audience. This is again, the easiest way um, to do it is, is through the video game. It honestly is. Okay. So here's my question. It's been told to me that you are a huge sharks fan, but you grow up in Ontario and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, that's not where I assume the next big sharks fan is going to come from. I'm assuming that you're probably going to be a Leafs fan. Great story. All right. Uh, so I was in grade eight. So I think I've been 12. It was 2002. It was the year that they got knocked out by Calgary in the, in the conference final, right before the lockout, the, the first big lockout in the early 2000s. Um, they were playing Colorado. I had stayed up late, watched the Leafs, I think. And I was staying up late. It was like 10, 1030, maybe 11 at the time. I probably should have been in bed. Um, but I turned on a hockey game on TSN and it was randomly the Sharks versus Colorado. 30 seconds into me watching that game, Jonathan Chichu scored a goal between his legs, and I have been a Sharks fan ever since. So i got to ask you then, what's your favorite Sharks moment? Uh, usually when I ask people this question as of late, I'm going Stanley Cup Final or when they advanced to the Stanley Cup Final in 2016. Was it the Game 7 comeback versus Vegas? Was it Hurdle going for four goals and bringing about uh, one of the greatest quotes from Jumbo ever? Well, what's What's your pick? Uh, so those are all I can, it's funny. Cause I can remember exactly where I was during everything that you just said. Um, probably <laughs> my biggest, my, my biggest moment as a fan. Um, so my first season as a sharks fan was technically the lockout. So I didn't get to see, you know, the full, you know, Vincent Danfoos play as a shark or anything like that. Um, I got to see that last little bit of the, of the playoffs and then the lockout happened. 
And then if you remember back in 2005, that season, they started out terribly. It was a 10-game losing streak. They trade for Joe Thornton, and I was actually at Joe Thornton's first game as a Shark uh, in Buffalo, the 5-0 win um, that broke the, the losing streak that they had. And, um, yeah, one of, my, one of my favorite memories is a Shark. It was just uh, uh, really awesome to be there. It was my first time. Again, I live in Southern Ontario, so going to Sabres games was kind of second nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got to go to that and see Joe Thornton. Um, you know, they, I think he put up three points and a five, nothing shutout broke the, uh, broke the losing streak. And then, uh, that was it from there. They, uh, they, uh, just tore up, you know, tore up the NHL after Thornton and in the last 15 years was, was pretty crazy. But I got to say, uh, I remember being at my a buddy's bachelor party in Boston randomly. We're at this really weird, really, really grungy bar, but I said, I got to watch the sharks. They were in the cup final and Don Scoy scoring that goal. Um, I was the only one I just like <laughs> the, the bar was silent and I just was nuts. Um, and then obviously <laughs> Vegas, the, the Vegas one, that is probably an all time moment and not just in, as a Sharks fan, but in sports, if you, regardless of how the power play happened, all of that, that is one of the all time endings in all of sports to any playoff game. So I got to ask you then your opinion on what you've seen from the team so far this year. And I will say that we recorded this before the game on Monday night, but you've seen two games uh, what are your overall impressions? Um, to be honest, uh, I haven't I haven't or been this excited about a prospect again. One that wasn't uh, like a first rounder. I think then since John like John Leonard, I think that he's been amazing. Like mm-hmm. I, there was a there was a couple sequences in that first game. Obviously, he had the two points that the breakaway speed that I Dude. have not seen as a Shark fan. And you know, Marlowe was always fast, but that just that really stood out. I'm really excited about that. I think defensively, it's going to be very very tough for the Sharks this year and the faceoff dot in the second second game was it led to two directly led to two goals um, yeah. and I think that I think they had like 30 percent on the draw that's not, that's uncharacteristic and something that won't continue but obviously I was talking about this earlier before before we getting on before starting recording is that this is the first year in in my in my tenure as a sharks fan since 2003 or four that every game feels like a playoff game and because I've been so desensitized to regular season play because it's just been basically automatic playoff bid no matter what and this is obviously the you know the uh, the I don't want to say weakest but the lesser roster than they've had in in probably a decade or more so it's going to be a tough battle for them and especially because Vegas again and Colorado just look like world beaters I think that I think that on the high end like if we're being you know optimistic I think you know the, the fourth spot in the in the playoffs is is within reach setting up another potential matchup against Vegas. And, um, you know, I, but it also, we also could be the second or third worst team in the, in the division. I don't think that we're the worst by any means. And uh, I think that we'll, we'll fight and hang around for a playoff spot for quite some time, but it is going to be a battle. Like Martin Jones playing that first game was fantastic. And I don't really hang the second one on them either, but they basically need playoff Martin Jones, like not Vegas playoff Martin Jones. Cam, I'll let you go, man. I know you're a busy man and you got stuff to do, but I really appreciate your time and hope we can chat hockey again soon. All right, man. And anytime. Love my Sharks. Yeah, and I just want to thank again the Sharks organization and WD Black for helping us put on the Pacific Cup. It was incredible. And uh, I hope I hope to get, I hope we see another event in the future and I get to be a part of it. It was an absolute blast. But Ted, thanks again for having me on. Uh Um, Keep up the great work. Cam Halbert, everyone. And the real takeaway here from this tournament is I think that if I can justify my wife that I have a chance to play for $25,000, that she'll be okay with me buying a PS5. But when I brought that up to her, she pointed out to me, she's like, Ted, you work for the Sharks. They're not going to let you compete for that money. Now, I didn't have an immediate answer to that, but I am working on one. So I got that going for me. But to take it back to what we saw from the Sharks last night, 
The immediate reaction is one of frustration. There's no denying that. But you look at the team who are doing some good things right now, and they are doing some bad things right now. Again, the offense, it looks like it's clicking. The power play, it looks like it's clicking. The penalty kill, I like what I'm seeing from that. It is developing. It's not as strong off the bat right as it was last year, but it is getting better. However, overall, there's a lack of crispness out there when you watch them playing. There are these mental mistakes. There are these self-inflicted wounds that are going to cost them. And until they rectify these mistakes, they are going to keep on hurting themselves. And it's just a matter of how long it's going to take them to figure it out. Now, if I had to bet on it, I would assume that they are going to start correcting these things sooner rather than later because they are putting forth good efforts. It's just we're seeing these mistakes repeat themselves. These are mistakes that you assume would have been able to have been mitigated or eliminated over the course of a preseason and normal training camp. Well, we weren't afforded that this year. It would never have been needed more than in this moment, but that's not what we are allowed to have by way of the pandemic and countless other reasons and a butterfly effect that all started a year ago and longer. But here we are. The Sharks are showing signs of growth. The Sharks are showing steps in the right direction, and they are showing some issues that we all knew were going to potentially be there, and that's now on this team and on this coaching staff to figure it all out. But I think that if I have to be honest, even though I'm frustrated with what I've seen, uh, particularly in the last two games, the team is playing better than maybe I think we all expected them to be. I think we all didn't expect the power play to look like this. We all didn't look the offense to look as potentially cohesive. They are capitalizing on some of the things that they wanted to do, like attacking with speed, bringing that rush. They're doing these things at a more rapid rate than I thought they would be able to implement it to them, their system. So that is a step in the right direction. It's just, again, the defense is such a big thing right now. And the goalies, I think they haven't been amazing. Martin Jones was really, really good in game number one. They haven't been amazing, but they haven't been the issue. The issue more to me has been the fact that we have not put these goalies in a situation to succeed in every single game. And that's what it's going to take for the Sharks right now. They are going to have to play the type of defense. They're going to have to play that type of clean game that doesn't put the goalies in a bad situation. If they do that, they're going to find themselves in a battle for the playoffs. If they don't do that, well... We'll have to wait and see. All right, we're out of time on this edition of Morning Tide. Big thanks to Cam Halbert for joining me. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. You've been listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network.